You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Toivling doesn't recosher anything. Toivling, uh, for those playing along at home, means uh, immersing an item in a mikvah. Uh, and there is a custom of doing that, um, uh, not really for, I mean, it is related to kashrut, uh, but it's, um, but it, it's, it's, uh, it, I mean, it's derived, it's, it's not, it's not, it's derived from the Bible, but it's not understood to be biblical law. Uh, it's, uh, and the idea is that, um, that uh, you're, you're repurposing the item. You're, uh, um, uh, uh, if it was handled by or touched by or made by non-Jews, right? That's why you take it to the to the mikvah. It has nothing really to do with kashrut in terms of uh, no ten tam. It's it's getting it's getting rid of its uh, of its goyishness. So that's why every Orthodox bride from Rabbi takes every wedding present to the mikvah. Correct. And also, I remember when I was a kid, it was for Pesach. They bring their dishes to the mikvah on Pesach. Not, not for not for kashrut for Pesach. They, the, the. I mean, I can only imagine that that would be because a lot of people buy new utensils and stuff for Pesach, so they would need, so they uh, feel the need to tumble them. But, but, but uh, tumbling your dishes doesn't make them kosher for Passover. Um, they might already be kosher Passover because they're new and haven't been used for any chametz. Uh, but even if they're new, from in some opinions, they still have to be tubbled. Maybe especially if they're new, they have to be tubbled. Um, uh, but the, but they're two different things. Making the, you know koshering something and tubbling something are two two different things. Um, uh, okay, so there's there's one other. Uh, uh, m- important mitigating factor uh, for um, uh, um, imparting a flavor, um, and that is the issue of benyomo eno benyomo, which means that um, it is um, a day old or it's not a day old. Um, so what that means is, uh, um, if if a if a if a, 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 a utensil or uh, um, something like that was um, used for either meat or dairy within a, within um, let me think of a more coherent way of saying this um, let's say I'm just going to do it by example okay so let's say I wanted to um, um, use this pot that I used earlier this morning on my beef stew. Um, it's been cleaned out, but I used it earlier this morning on my beef stew, uh, and uh, and now I want to use it for my uh, um, for my macaroni and cheese. Right, um, that pot is considered to be benyomo, which means that the flavor is still strong in it. Right. Um, and so that means that uh, that uh, that the meat flavor that's in it um, can seep back out into my macaroni and cheese, make it not kosher. Whereas if that same pot, you know, was left to sit overnight, right? I cleaned it and and I haven't used it in twenty four. And then the next day, um, I want to use it for my macaroni and cheese. I theoretically could because it's ano benyomo. Now there are a lot of different opinions about benyomo and eno benyomo, um, m- most people today consider to be the, consider the use of something that's eno benyomo uh, um, uh, as something that you can't do intentionally, right? So I can't take that pot, even if it's been 24 hours since I've used it, um, so that the flavor is sort of dissipated, um, and then, and then you know, uh, the next day make something dairy out of it um, because it's being done with intention. Um, and that would apply only to metal or glass. That would that would apply to only metal, really. I mean, uh, um, glass no. glass doesn't matter so long as the glass is clean. Uh, and gl- we're talking glass now, not not Pyrex, right? Um, uh, 
So there, there are differences of opinion about about uh, the issue of ben yomo and ben yomo um, about you know whether uh, you know it falls into the category of like aim mavatlini sor lechachila right you, you can't do it with intention um, and uh, and I would say by and large the uh, the or- orthodox world holds by that and a lot of the conservative world um, but there's a lot to rely on to say that uh, that um, that that you don't. That doesn't need to be accidental. Like you could theoretically, I mean, and this is likely what happened in um, the medieval period um, and earlier when they didn't have a lot of pots and pans and things like that. Um, that uh, uh, that that they were perfectly fine with using something that was in in obenyomo. Um, since, since you know, in our kitchen we have separate everything, and in most kosher kitchens we have separate everything. It's really not as much of an issue. Um, it becomes a, a, an issue, you know, if we're if we're talking about you know the like the scenario that uh, um, Debbie raised about you know the 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 par of spaghetti sauce that you're thinking about making um, into uh, into a, a, a meat sauce, even though it was cooked in a dairy pot. One of the questions you might ask yourself is, you know, when the pot, when the dairy pot was used to cook the tomato sauce, was it benyomo or was it eno benyomo? If it was benyomo, then there may be a, um, a, um, a, a reasonable argument that the sauce is actually dairy, right? And therefore you can't uh, um, uh, make a meat sauce out of it. If it was Eno Benyomo, right, especially, uh, it, it, what I'm about to say is especially true if you did not cook the sauce intending for it to be made uh, with meat, right? And this is if you think that um, Eno Benyomo is okay so long as it wasn't intentional to do the mixture of meat and milk with it. So let's say you made the, the pasta sauce in the dairy pot that was Eno Benyomo, but you, you had intended it for it to be a dairy meal, but you had a lot left over. And then you say, you know, I have all this pasta sauce left over, but I'm only going to have meat meals for the next, you know, week. could I just make it into a, into a bolognese? Um, uh, in that case, uh, if it was Eno Benyomo and not uh, your desired outcome, um, it would be okay to do that. Well, what if you canned all this tomato sauce? And so, really, the intentionality was that eventually, at some point or another, you were going to take, you know, a jar of this sauce that you made in, you know, I don't know, July, and you pick it up off the shelf in December, and you make one or the other. You make either a bolognese or you make a... um, Vegetarian. Just a vegetarian sauce. Go over it again. You get, you get a couple of bushels of tomatoes at the end of the summer, and you can it. You can it. I want to can it. Okay. So and, you made, and you made the sauce in what kind of pot? Yeah. And you made the sauce in, let's say, a dairy, a dairy, a dairy, um, a dairy uh, pot. Benyomo or eno benyomo? Right. <laughs> Well, see, I don't know. <laughs> see, I mean, the point being, I think that the Benyomo applies to the the vessel, not to the food. I yes, that's true. But it, but it, but, but right, the vessel impacts the food. Exactly right. Right. right so um, so, but the vessel can change over time. But correct. The question Debbie's asking is, can the food change? So if you, no. if you were going to can it. You should make sure to use the food. The food cannot change over time. The so food is a, it's cooked in uh, a dairy pot. The food is dairy. If the, if the if the dairy pot was benyomo. <laughs> now, what one thing that I would consider, right? So this is this is just naf here, uh, and and I'm not saying that I would really advocate this as a as a um, as like the primary approach. But I think it's it's something to re- that uh, a leniency that you can rely upon. Um, so listen, uh, you know one one of the differences between uh, contemporary cooking and uh, ancient medieval cooking is that um, we tend to uh, wash our pots with soap and water, right? Um, and they didn't have really such things then. 
Um, there, we we meant, I mentioned uh, um, uh, in, in previous sessions the principle of no ten ta'am lif gam, um, which which means it departs and it imparts a disgusting flavor. Um, so uh, so and I think that uh, um, dish soap falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so what I would say is that uh, um, if you have a pot that was used for a dairy meal, um, and then you want to use it for something parav, but and you and and it, in, in the same day, but it was washed out in between, so that there was nothing actual, no dairy residue really still on it. Um, uh, I, th- then I think that uh, um, that that um, you know, um, you know, especially if you didn't intend. For the um, for you know uh, the the thing that you're making to um, eventually be used for meat, um, but you you know that's a that's an you know accidental outcome, uh, then you could probably rely. Then I think you could rely upon that leniency, right? That uh, that okay, you know there there was there was really no no dairy right any any dairy flavor was at at best. Or at, at worst, no, not bar. It was no tentam bar, no tentam, um, and the no tentam bar, no tentam was probably mitigated by uh, no tentam leaf gum. Uh, then, uh, then you can then you can rely on that to say there's no real dairy flavor Im- imparted to this par of item, uh, and it can therefore be used for whatever we want it to be used for, even if the even if the pot was ben yomo. Um, it's tricky because otherwise you'd have to have a par of set. Right? You'd have to have something that you only use for part. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, if you're if you're going to routinely be doing things like that. You know you're canning and it's going to go both ways. If you want to prepare something that exactly... Right, although although that's, although that's, although that's fairly easy to do, right? Because you could just kosher the pot, mm-hmm. right, um, and make the pot parv, right? I mean, so that, that would be the easiest way to do yeah. what you're doing right. without any problems... From anybody's perspective, is just uh, um, let boiling water run over the whole pot, and then and then it's neutral, and then you can do whatever you want with it. You should have told me that in the first place. Right. Okay. Fine. Right. Um, I I talk about problematic issues. You want the you want the real solution. The real solution. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, just thinking ahead for sisterhood bubbles and brunch. Mm-hmm. Um, we are taking the staff from a dairy kitchen to somebody's house who does not keep kosher. So when I was in my own days, um, tinfoil was the big thing, you know, where you go in and you put tinfoil everywhere um, and then what do you think? What? Please help us. Oh, help me. So what did you do with the tinfoil? Only on the counter so that we could put our food onto the counter. And what's the food that you're going to be putting on the counter? Um, bagels. Um, let's see. Uh, smoked salmon, right. Uh, dairy, dairy stuff. Right. So, um, so here's, uh, uh, listen. I don't. You know, it's it's always good to be careful, right? Um, but we we learn, right? So ne- so you tell me, based on what we've learned so far, do you think that that is required or not required? Um. Personally, I very particular. I would do it just because I was talking a little bit different, and so I would line everything. Why? Right. So, okay. So, what we're striving to do here is uh, is 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 make 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 principled decisions. Um, with you know, it's not. There's nothing wrong with like just doing things the way you were taught, whatever. But um, you know, if you if you, for me, um, one of the uh, important aspects of kashrut is um, that you shouldn't follow unnecessary stringencies, right? Um, uh, because. Because it makes it, I, the laws were meant to be lived, right? Um, uh, and uh, and so it's not good for you, not good for an individual to follow unnecessary stringencies. I don't think, I don't think God, I don't think the Torah would want you to follow unnecessary stringencies. Uh, and um, you know, and uh, and it's not good, like in general, for like um, uh, for promoting the practice of kashrut if there are unnecessary stringencies. So what I would say about something like that is, okay, the, the main principle is ta'am ki'ikar, right? That, the, that taste is the essence. And we know that taste is imparted through heat, which means um, that a, a hot implement uh, and or a hot food item, direct contact between those two things. 
So if your bagels are piping hot, and hot here, heat here, is usually defined as yad soledet bow in, 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 in halakhic terms, which means that it causes your hand to recoil. It's so hot that like if you touch it, your hand bounces back. Um, so you got piping hot bagels, and you put them on the counter, uh, and the counter happens to be made uh, with bacon, right? That is the definition of, um, of notentam, because the, the, the bacon counter is imparting flavor to the hot bagel because of the connection through heat. Um, so in that case, I would tell you to put your tinfoil over your bacon countertops. Most countertops aren't made with bacon. Um, this one is granite. She's got a nice Fine, house. good. So, um, so, I mean, the nice thing about granite is that it can be koshered, by the way. So even if, even if you, like, are really concerned about it, you could, you could pour boiling water over it and, and not even have to worry about it. But, um, uh, but, but I still don't think it's necessary for the sorts of things that you're, that, that you're doing. Um, you know, if you were actually cooking on the counter or putting hot food directly on the counter or something like that, then I might be more concerned. But I would say any flavor that, I mean, I mentioned, I put on this page that like, you know, um, uh, separate tables, things like that, like those are really fences around the law. Um, and in a lot of ways, the, the issue of countertops is, um, is, is really a fence around, I mean, uh, it's a fence of a fence. Um, because most people don't cook on actual countertops. They're, you know, and, and any flavor that might be in the countertop um, is no tentam bar no tentam because it's it's not actually because no one's actually doing the cooking on the countertops right that's that's generally what it is so um, so you know so so I would say uh, that that foil on countertops and things like that is uh, is I think uh, uh, generally speaking unnecessary um, I would say also um, because again because um, the uh, um, uh, heat imparts the transfer of taste in most cases. Uh, that things like using, you know, to, you could use a non-kosher knife to slice a kosher bagel so long as the bagel wasn't piping hot, right? Um, that there would be no problem with that. Um, you know, you could use a non-kosher knife to cut fruit, right? Uh, there would be no problem. Right? So unless, unless, of course, you know, there was still like baking grease on the knife or something like that, then it might be problematic, right? But assuming the knife was clean and, and, and uh, didn't have any residue on it, um, you know, so, um, but so I, that, that's, that, that's, you know, it would be very easy to say, just keep everything radically separate and when in doubt, put tinfoil on it, right? We wouldn't need a class. Um, right. But the, but the, but the point of the class is to say, okay, you know, like, uh, you don't need to do all that stuff. Right. So let me ask you another thing, because last year we had a little, uh, discussion amongst ourselves about when we prepare the food, we had to wrap it. Um, first, because we wanted to make sure it was right. intact and pretty looking, but also um, because we needed to transport. So now, um, somebody who, um, anyways, on TV, uh, just told us to wrap it in tin foil three times. No, Sarah wrap three times. No, tin foil three times, and then Sarah wrapped three times, and we had to mark it. What do you say to that? Market meaning market for what? That it had been um, clear for transport. Meaning that it had been cooked here. Yeah, and then ready for transport. That it was clear for. That that when you say when you say someone had told you is that like Rabbi Creditor had told you? No, somebody, um, a couple of ladies from Temple. Well, so I don't want to get, like, in the middle of a thing. Um, <laughs> so, but, but what would you do? Uh, I mean, this is important right. because we have to right. do so, so I think that part of the question, you know, so there are, there are issues of uh, kashrut, and there are issues of making sure that the, that the um, kosher consumer knows that kashrut has been followed, right? Okay. So I, what I hear in that is, um, is, is uh, making sure people are... are um, uh, um, reasonably satisfied that you know the food was only prepared in a kosher kitchen, right? And it hasn't been you know uh, messed with, tampered, tampered with, tamper. right? Um, so you know whether whether it's with, with right, right, tamper proof, right? Exactly, right? It's it's like right, it's it's like it's like how I know no one's yeah. drinking this water before yeah. I right. 
Um, so whether that's three layers of saran exactly. wrap or Double eight layers seal, of saran wrap, or, yeah. right? So what um, would you do with just one seal? Or because we went through around and around. And you How old were the ladies who told you that? Um, one about probably 50. All right, all right. Um, yeah. Were these people that were going to be eating the food? Did they need to feel comfortable and safe about it? Well, one did was there present, but the other one did not attend the event. Right. So, uh, so you know, I. I want to say to everybody, this is the way we're going to do it this year. <laughs> uh, According to Rabbi Nuff. Um, so you're asking me how many layers of saran wrap yeah. I'm requiring? Just off here. And does the saran come first to the floor? And then it's going to have to have a stamp with your name on it. I own stock in Alco. <laughs> I mean, it was what, what happened is we had to wrap the whole tray. Some trays were pretty heavy, so there we were, you know, two of us holding these trays while this person wrapped and wrapped and wrapped, and this way too, and then the saran wrap, and I'm like, gee whiz. So I just want to know, you know, what's, what's the problem? I'll say, considering some of the things I've heard about the history here and what was allowed that was absolutely not kosher but not pork, I am glad somebody. This actually means something to somebody. I mean, I right. think you're thinking, yeah. "Wow!" Right? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right, and 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 I'm not belittling it either. I, you know, I, um, I, I you know, I, um, exactly how many layers of the stuff you need is is a um, a question I hadn't really thought about. Um, but the but the idea that um, you know someone wanted to make sure that 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 anybody who cared about the kashrut. Uh, could rely upon the kashrut because it wasn't tampered with is an important thing, right? So, um, so I would, I don't know, three. I, it depends on how it looks to me, you know. Like, I, I, but I think that's it. See, the um, problem it is, if, it, if it's, get, if get it's like triple, triple tamp, you know, you uh, it, it just needs it just needs to look like nobody has gone in there, right? right? I mean, but the implication is that what's inside is has been done correctly. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right? I mean, and I think it could be misleading if it's, you know, if it wasn't done correctly, but yet it's all, you know, it's all packaged correctly. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. So, another, I think it's more important, this is my opinion, that it's actually, that the procedures that you use to prepare yeah, the food followed. are followed, then, you know, that you have triple, tra you know, tamper-proofing packaging for it once oh. you transport it. Considering the age of this woman, I think I probably know some of the stories that maybe are prompting this. I don't want to put them on recording. Yeah. 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 They, well, predate, they predate Rabbi Creditor, uh, and, um, and they were real-life things that yeah. happened, and I've heard uh, where things looked like they were done correctly, and people told things they were done correctly, but to cut, they cut corners by not right. doing things correctly. Right. So, but I would say I mean, both things are important, right? So the thing needs to be done correctly, and people need to know it was done correctly. And one way they know it was done correctly is that it's in the tamper-proof packaging, right? Um, so, but I don't, I mean, I, it depends on what it looks I don't, I don't know what three wrapped uh, food looks like versus two, so it's hard to tell. Uh, no, I understand, but you know, uh, it, it being it being a pain doesn't necessarily mean it's not uh, not uh, uh, important. So, because then we need the scissors too, and you see, you. Uh, What's wrong with scissors? Oh well, I'll loan you my key. Kosher scissors. My box cutter key. My dairy scissor to cut. To cut saran wrap? Yeah. Are you going to eat the saran wrap? No, I say okay. Never mind. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of teasing, but um, just grab a sharp knife out of the door. We okay, so here's what, here's what I would say. I would say uh, I, I would say um, uh, uh, wrap it uh, in a layer of tin foil. Well, it also is a question of is it going to be uh, reheated somewhere? No. So if it's not going to be re reheated. If it's something that's going to be reheated in a non-kosher oven, uh, because of issues, uh, because of because of issues of oh no 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 we reheated prior to leaving the building. Oh, reheated prior to leaving the building. Like reheated and then wrapped, or wrapped and then reheated. So it wasn't going to go to somebody's house.
Right. Okay. So, so, so all, uh, all you're doing, you're not wrapping, you're not wrapping for possible kashrut violations outside of the kitchen. You're wrapping to make sure that people know that it wasn't tampered with. So that for the, for that for that I would say what. Right. So okay. I, I mean, I I didn't anticipate like making synagogue policy like this tonight, but. Uh, um, you, you, you now have the question. Now we wait for your chuba. Right. I mean, I, I would say, but I would say for some, but, but like for, for something like for something like that, all all that's required is people knowing that it wasn't tampered with after it left the kitchen, and so therefore it just needs to look sealed, right? It needs to look sealed and not tampered with. So, um, so if it if, so if it has something you know that that could that that people could see if the seal was broken, right? Um, so you know. Uh, a, a layer of tinfoil and a layer of saran wrap or something like that would probably suffice, I think, although I, I, I don't know because I haven't seen the actual package. So I don't, but that, that seems like it would suffice. Maybe reassurance, too, that, that you've been trained, and so, but it's transported by somebody who's trained and not just being trapped in somebody's car. No, but even the rabbi seal of approval is not helpful if the thing you know doesn't have like a, 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 a another kind of like seal that can't be broken yeah. off of it, right? Right. It needs to be like a like a like an envelope, right? I mean, so so you know when an envelope has been opened and when it's when it hasn't been. Just um, Okay. All right. I transported brisket the other day, um, and I did not want to have my whole car smell from brisket. Right. Because you were carrying. Right? Um, well, although I have my crock pots, I have the one that tied up so that you can carry the brisket. <laughs> okay. So, but it's you know it's it's hard for me to because I don't want to wade into a discrepancy between a handful of people, most of whom are not in this room, right? So, uh, That's so why I'm asking the author, you know, I understand, but it, but because it's not exactly a kosher question, it's hard for me to answer uh, in that way. So, it, so if the, if it's if it's really an open question. Um, Right. So what I'm what I'm saying is I I can't really weigh in on exactly what you should do uh, if, with regarding that issue without like really hearing what was going on um, because it sounds like you know it, it just sounds like it's it's a dispute rather than a a kosher question. Well, I'm not just uh, curious. I mean, yeah. I followed the crowd, but I was like, I thought it was excessive. You know what I mean? And a waste. Right. Uh, I mean, you may you might be right, um, but I'd I'd kind of want to hear from them. You know what what they were trying to accomplish. We'll all be back there on Saturday, August twelfth, after after Okay, I probably won't be there because I'll probably be uh, preparing for the high holidays. But um, uh, but so I'll just trust that you're doing the right thing. Okay. Um, and if you have a question, call call me on my phone. Okay. Um, Okay, so, uh, so, so, uh, all right, we really covered a lot of the uh, major principles, and we talked about a few, uh, you know, uh, uh, scenarios, but let's just talk about some common um, issues that happen, you know, so for example, um, you're, you're cooking uh, your, you know, meat dish, and you reach for um, a, a ladle, and it's, and you later realize that it was a dairy ladle. What happens? Well, so on the stair, and there's, you know, if it's an accident, less than sixty, you know, less than what is it, six hundred? Sixty, sixty parts of one. Okay, what what are some factors you would need to consider? So you you mentioned one, right? Uh, had, it, uh, had it been washed? Had it been washed? Good. Is what it was put in hot or cold? Good is what it's put in hot or cold. Good, and uh, and in uh, what else? Did it impart flavor? Okay. Yeah. What materials it made of? What materials it made of? Good. 
What about is it uh, is it Benyomo or is it Eno Benyomo? Right? Had it been used that day? Had it been not used that day? Okay, so these are all really important issues. Okay, so let's say we're making a uh, hot meat uh, uh, stew, and uh, and I and I reach for my. Uh, um, for my ladle, I pick up a, what looks like a clean ladle, looks identical to my meat ladle, but I realize that I didn't see the blue dot on it, and it's actually my dairy ladle. Um, so uh, uh, um, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, so the, the question would be this. Uh, to Debbie's point, it's a, it's a Batal Bashishim question, right? Is the amount of dairy um, uh, in or on that spoon um, uh, enough that it would uh, um, be more than one in sixty uh, times the volume of the stew. If so, then the stew is uh, rendered unkosher, and also the pot that it's in is rendered unkosher, um, and and the ladle itself, of course, is uh, is rendered unkosher. Um, if it's if it's not right, which which I think uh, is largely a question of whether or not it's clean, right? right. Um, uh, um, and I would personally say, especially if it's accidental, I would say even if it's benyomo and it's clean, um, but certainly if it's ano benyomo, uh, then uh, then uh, then it doesn't uh, then the the imparting of flavor is a non-issue. Um, because at at worst it's notentam bar notentam, right? And the pot of stew and the pot that it's in is fine. The ladle itself uh, would um, uh, would become not kosher because because right because the meat uh, um, weighed more than sixty times the volume of the of the or, or the whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter if it weighed more than sixty times the volume, but the but. Um, but the the hot meat flavor imparted into the dairy spoon, um, and so there, I mean, I guess you could make an argument that the ladle is now meat, and but I would say that uh, that that it's uh, um, that the safest bet is to just say that it's not kosher and it needs to be koshered, assuming that it's a metal utensil. Right? I'm assuming we're talking about a metal utensil. If it's a plastic utensil, it's a totally different issue. Right. Right. If it's a plastic utensil, so this is an interesting one. If it's a plastic utensil that has never been used for uh, hot dairy food, right? Then, uh, then it's a non-issue. Assuming it's clean, right? Um, because it's never had the uh, opportunity to absorb dairy flavor because it's never been contacted with hot dairy. Um, and so, therefore, when it touches the stew, nothing happens. If it had been uh, um, in contact with, with hot dairy flavor, because uh, plastic is a is a porous substance, uh, then uh, uh, then it uh, um, then uh, uh, I, I, I still think that um, if it's clean, it would not render the uh, stew unkosher. But it would certainly render render the ladle unkosher, and the ladle would at that point need to be thrown away because uh, it can't be koshered. All right, um, good. What about um, I made a um, uh, I made oh, this actually happens all the time. Josephine asks me. Um, I made a, uh, um, a, a a tray of parv cookies in the on meat uten- with meat utensils and in the meat oven. We had leftover cookies. Can they be served at tomorrow's uh, dairy kiddish? Good question. Why do you not think so? Well, if they've been cooked with, you said they're, um, or wait a second, what did you say? They're, they're made with meat utensils and yeah. cooked in a meat oven. Why? Um, because it's, it's meat. <laughs> okay. Other other opinions? Well, the aroma trapped in the oven. Yeah, the aroma. aroma. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really talk about oven, so we need to talk about oven. <laughs> and, if, uh, and, if, and if if you're making cookies, it's very hot, and your hand would, it would be too hot for your hand to touch. Good, okay. So you're hitting, you're hitting all the right issues. Um, 
Well, okay, so what if it wasn't cookies? What if it was um, uh, uh, brownies? But it's the same, same difference. Thing. It's hard. Yeah. It's yeah. Hard. Okay. So, so, so it, it, stri it strikes me that we. It, it depends on how much you want the cookies. Um, so it strikes me that we didn't that we didn't talk really about ovens. So ovens are an interesting animal. Um, in in, in uh, the ovens that were used commonly in uh, Talmudic and medieval times didn't have uh, really any ventilation. So that means all steam and all smell was sort of trapped in the ovens, which made it. Um, very hard to permit uh, cooking uh, something meat and dairy in the same oven. And it also presumed that anything that was subsequently cooked in those ovens would, would take on the status of, of the oven itself. Modern ovens are generally not considered to, to uh, function the same way. Um, they're considered generally to be uh, ventilated, um, which means that... Um, uh, uh, um, not necessarily during the time that uh, that they're cooking, but after they're cooking, the smell and the everything can dissipate from from the ovens. Um, so what that means is that um, if I'm if I'm cooking um, uh, a, a, a a brisket, let's say uh, in uh, in in the oven, um, let's say it's not covered. Okay, let's say I'm cooking an uncovered brisket in the oven. Um, I certainly can't cook something dairy in the oven at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because this, the, 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 the smell and the sweat, whatever, will, will, the steam will get into, the, into each other, vice versa. However, um, I can almost certainly, uh, according to most authorities, um, cook them one after the other in that oven. Uh, some people would say you got to wait for it to cool down. You got to wait for the you know you can't smell any. Okay, fine, right? Um, so uh, uh, and and even according to some, I could um, I could cook them uh, in the oven, uh, uh, both covered. Uh, at the same time, because the the steam wouldn't get right, so it's basically they're both cooking in their own ovens when they're covered. Um, uh, so, uh, um, um, so what that means is that contemporary ovens don't maintain a meat or dairy status after the meat or dairy item has been cooked in it. Now, um, the racks might um, if the um, if an item was cooked directly on the rack, right? So if I, I don't know, I've never seen anybody do this, but I suspect you could, right? You, uh, let's say you cook a steak or something, you know, right on the rack itself, that rack would for sure be a meat rack, right? But the oven itself would still end up st being, being interchangeable. Um, <clears throat> uh, In that case, though, can modern ovens be not kosher? Right, so I would say, so there, there, are, there are differences of opinion about this. Um, I would say that, uh, um, that generally speaking, modern ovens um, can't take on a, uh, a non-kosher status. Um, the racks might, um, but, uh, uh, but generally speaking, the, the ovens... The, the roasting pans, whatever is in direct kind of contact with the food. Whatever's in direct contact with the food can take on a non-kosher status, right? right? So, so if I, if I, you know, if I Casserole cooked... Casserole dish would right. be kosher uh, meat or dairy, but not the oven that it's cooked in. Correct. Right? So the, the oven isn't... Right? So, so what's it? So the, really the reason people, uh, especially, you know, the, first of all, people have uh, two sets of ovens more for convenience than anything else, right? Because I can... You, having two ovens means I could cook meat and dairy meals at the same time and not have to worry about it, right? Uh, and, and, and when you have an industrial kitchen or something like that where you're doing a lot of cooking, um, uh, it, it becomes helpful to, to, to have two ovens for that reason. It also becomes helpful to have two ovens for that reason when you have multiple cooks, whatever. There's a desire to, uh, um, to you know, um, uh, slide something in an oven. Or they don't know what else is in there, Right. Um, so, you know, when I was on USY on wheels, um, we, we would 
bring we would have kosher food with us and we would use hotels ovens to to cook it um and uh and and we were instructed to double wrap the the food in in foil what i really came to understand uh um after you know I, and i originally thought it was because the oven itself would be making the food not kosher if um if it was left uncovered I don't really think that that was the issue. The issue is more um, if the hotel decided, you know, shoot, you know, they're making their thing in that oven, but I really need access to an oven. I'm just going to slide my, I'm going to slide my, you know, uh, my, uh, my, 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 my pork roast in there while, while this is cooking because this is the only oven I have. That's the issue, right? Okay, so that's, so, so that's an important consideration for ovens. So now, now knowing now what we know about, about the ovens... Let's go back to our cookie question. Well, you used meat utensils and a meat container or tray or something. Mm-hmm. So if the oven didn't apart, it wouldn't those things. Well, what, what, what would some things be that we would need to consider? Materials. Right? Okay, good. Right, so what, what, would, what would impact, well, how would that work? Uh, what would, like, what, how would material be relevant? It would tra- impart. So what kind of material would impart? What kind of material wouldn't? Uh, well, I guess if you're using wooden utensils, it would impart, right? Uh, it might. So, okay. All right. So let's, so first the preparation of the cookies themselves, right? right? Um, assuming that the items we're using to prepare the cookies are actually uh, clean and don't have any like meat residue on them, which I think is a fair presumption because you don't want to make your chocolate chip cookies in um, a, a bowl of, like, cooked steak, right? <laughs> so um, so I'm going to take that as a given. Um, remember, the issue of kashrut is no ten tam, and uh, give, imparting flavor, right? And imparting flavor only happens through what? Heat. So, I mean, you know, knowing what you know about the process of making cookies... Um, uh, in the preparation of the cookie dough, is there heat involved? There might be a little bit in terms of, you know, you got to get the margarine soft or something like that, but, uh, but, but there generally is not heat involved, which means that in the process of preparing the dough, everything is still parved, even if you've used dairy utensils. I mean, even if you use the meat utensils. Okay. Um, so so the, the preparation is not relevant. Then you put the dough on the pan. Uh, we're presuming that the pan is a meat pan, uh, meaning that it was uh, uh, at some point or another used for meat. Is there a difference whether it's been used for, and I'm, I'm assuming it's clean one way or the other, because again, you don't want your cookies actually tasting like steak. So, um, so uh, assuming that the thing is clean, is there a difference between when that pan was used or not? Right. Right. The question is, if if it was used an hour before, you know, to cook a brisket, mm-hmm. and even if it was washed, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still, you know, it's still very recent that it was used to cook something meat. Excellent. That was clearly meat. Right. Excellent. Which means which means that it has a greater capacity to uh, to no tentam to impart flavor on into the cookies, right? Um, good. If it was Eno Benyomo? Then you could probably accept it, right? I mean, that is if, if it, let's say the last time was, what, a day before? A day before or a week before. A week before, um, and then this is the first time it's been used in a while, right. so you're, you know, and it's clean, it's pretty right. Which you know, and and uh, and if we're talking about the specific context of our kitchen, it's it's very common for things to be ano benyoma, um, uh, and then you have the oven itself. So what would I need to know about the oven itself? When's the last time it was used to cook meat? And whether there was any meat cooking in the oven at the same time as as the cookies. But let's say. You know, uh, the the uh, the oven you know hadn't been used that day for uh, for for any actual meat, and uh, and it didn't have any meat at the same time as the as the cookies. Then what would you say about the cookies? And the, and the pan was okay. Ano benyama. Right. I'd say that they're still hard. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So. Um, 
right? So, so periodically Josephine asks me that question, and and uh, and and that's the answer that I give her when 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 those conditions when those conditions, when those conditions are met. That doesn't mean it's always the case, um, but it's generally the case. Now, if I was in a kitchen with much higher like you know output and volume, that may not be the case, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. But we roast in there at the same time. What's that? There might have been a, a correct, roast correct. Or the aroma left and the roast out. Right, right. And the cookies go in because hey, we're in a hurry. We're in a hurry, exactly. Right. No roast in there, but right. I know, right? So right, the, the oven's still on, the smell's still there, right? Um, exactly. So, so there are there are potentially issues. Um, uh, okay, so let's say um, I made a pot of spaghetti in a in a dairy pot. <coughs> Uh, and uh, and I realize all of my uh, dairy uh, plates are dirty, um, and I want to use a uh, meat plate. Can I use a meat plate for that pasta cooked in the dairy pot? And then serve it how? Let's just say I serve it plain. Let's keep it easy. <laughs> so or with the, or the par of sauce. Par of sauce. Let's say they're poor. Let's say they're normal ceramic dishes. But the pot it was cooked in was a metal pot. Did the heat of the spaghetti matter? Might. <laughs> Why would you think it might matter? Because if it's still very hot coming out of the dairy pan, would it impart dairy to the meat plate? It very well might. It's a good question. <laughs> How recently has that, that, that pan been used? The pot been used. The pot yeah. been used to cook a, a obviously milk thick, you know, let's say it was used just uh, a few minutes before to make cream, cream of, of corn soup or something. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, uh, uh, um, so, these, right, so these are all relevant questions, right? So, um, so let's say the pasta uh, was not... Yad soledit bow anymore, right? It was not hot enough to have your hand recoil. Or let's say, you know, I had transferred it to a. Uh, um, uh, uh, this is actually an issue that we didn't raise, but it, um, it's relevant. Is the issue of cliché? Cliché is an interesting issue because the presumption of cliché, which means a second utensil, so not the not the cooking utensil, uh, but the uh, but but uh, but an intermediary utensil. A colander, good, yeah, that, that would be a cliché, right? Um, so the so uh, so putting in the cliché, even if that is actually still technically very hot, the legal presumption of the cliché is that uh, by by it having been moved from one dish to another, that it's no longer um, uh, like cooking hot, right? And so therefore, you might then you know even if it is technically still cooking hot, um, it's not legally still cooking hot, right? But so but that is a relevant concern, right? And if the if the pasta uh, is uh, is no longer hot, which also means, by the way, that your uh, that your non boiling hot dairy items can, I wouldn't say you should do that. You should do this, but you can do this. Um, can be eaten on a meat plate, right? Um, you know, the, uh, again, I'm not saying you should do this, but there's it's no glass. Certainly, if it's glass, but. Um, but there's no reason, um, other than it's good to keep things separate, there's no reason why uh, you can't eat your, you know, uh, bagel and cream cheese on a meat plate. Because, again, right, there's no imparting a flavor one way or the other. Right? So that's, so that's uh, an important issue with the pasta, right? You might, but, and uh, what? <laughs> um, and, and then you have, then you have a question. speck of cream cheese. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because because it's not because it's not. There's no heat, and therefore there's no transfer of flavor. Um, right. So that um, right. So th- this is this is why it's important. Because uh, really, because I really want you know uh, one of the things one of the things my uh, uh, Jewish law teacher taught me uh, as an undergrad that was like transformative for the way I saw not only kashrut but Jewish law in general is that kashrut is about taste, not about cooties. 
right? Um, and and that's re- and that's really important because it makes it, I mean it makes kashu complicated in a way um, because but it makes it logical. What? It makes it logical, it makes it logical right? Um, it may, it may, it's certainly more it's certainly easier just to say keep everything radically separate. But if you don't, if you live in the real world where not everything is always possible to be radically separate, um, where there, there are always issues of, of overlap, etc., uh, then, then it, kosher being about taste becomes really more important. And, and, and that's especially true even in the radically separate kitchens when inevitably a mistake happens. Then you've got to ask yourself, okay, you know, what happens now? Right? Now, if, if you, if you uh, uh, only, you know, if you, if you say, okay, everything's going to be radically separate, it's about cooties, then you're going to throw away a lot of unnecessary utensils and throw away a lot of unnecessary food. Um, but I don't think that that's what God wants or intends, right? Um, that's when people go, fruit is too hard. Right, right, right. What's a real-life example? Of what? Of, like, what would you do if somebody <laughs> puts ice cream in the dairy bowl but then goes to the um, flasher... I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> the flasher drawer and picks up a spoon and starts eating. What happens? I mean, other other than other than uh, his wife getting other, other than his wife yelling at him, no, uh, uh, nothing happens. It, it would be <laughs> hold on to that one. Hold on to that one. <laughs> If you had hot fudge, I got that. I got hot fudge. Ah, okay. Ah, that's an issue. That's an issue. Well, and what happens? But this is a really this is a really practical question too. Um, you wanna you wanna put your dishes in a dishwasher. Yeah. Okay. And the question is, you know, can you put your dairy dishes in with your meat dishes <clears throat> in a dishwasher because they're going to be heated up? But if yeah. I wash the dishes and get all the what the, yeah. the obvious stuff off the dish, which baby doesn't like me to do because, because it's a waste water. <laughs> I do that. Pre rinsing, yeah. So 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 uh, dishwashers. And washing dishes are, are issues that we didn't get into tonight, uh, largely because we don't really have to deal with them in this kitchen. But um, right. uh, uh, so I, I'll tell you, I'll just tell you quickly what Adira and I do. Uh, so Adira and I only have one dishwasher, and we use it interchangeably for both meat and dairy, but we don't uh, put them in at the same time. Okay. Um, there are some who do that and run an empty cycle in between. That seems unnecessarily wasteful to me. Um, part of why I think it's important, uh, why I think it's possible, uh, is um, is the is the issue of notentam uh, gum. right? So when when you have something that imparts a disgusting flavor, it's impossible to uh, to to really be notentam uh, to something. Um, now there are some people who even go so far as to say that uh, that a dishwasher would kosher, you know, all kosherable items in the dishwasher, right? So the, you may be right about that. I mean, um, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not willing to go that far. Um, but what I w- but I do say this, right? So um, uh, uh, inevitably, um, uh, because we don't have that big of a kitchen. Ine- and we have little kids. Inevitably, we have uh, like dairy items that accidentally get put into the meat load. I I have no compunction um, with those items just being put back in the right drawer um, after I don't think they've been rendered unkosher through through that process. Uh, I wouldn't do it. It's the difference between when we talked about That's this, right? Accidental versus right. Intentional. Accidental versus intentional. I think that that, that makes a difference uh, halakhically. Um, but uh, I mean, you know, the truth is that uh, from from a logical point of view, even intentionally, it's probably fine. Um, but uh, but I just uh, I, I'm not I'm not willing to go there. Um, uh, but but it also means you know so so some of the issues that we're talking about here uh, also means that uh, that you don't really need two sinks right because if the issue of kashrut is no tentam especially if it's a stainless steel sink right. Um, if the issue of kashrut is notentam, and notentam is largely done through uh, through heat, then most of what is in your sink is not uh, is not boiling hot anymore, right? Uh, that you might have issues of uh, kavush, you might have in- issues of soaking in your sink if you have if, if things are soaking together. But generally speaking, even not that. Um, so uh, so I, I think sinks are generally not major kashrut uh, uh, 
issues. Um, the one thing that we that we didn't spend a lot of time on tonight uh, um, is our uh, knives, although we talked about them uh, uh, basically. Um, the the one thing that that I mean, in general, what you need to know with a knife, I mean, there's similar issues in the sense that uh, the transfer of flavor is done uh, largely through heat. Uh, um, so, you know, if the knife is cutting um, a, a, a hot food item, uh, then, um, then you know, it, uh, uh, it imparts flavor and can have flavor imparted to it. Um, uh, and but the other th issue with knife is that it, that it's easier to leave residue on knife when you're when you're going to the next thing, right? So uh, so if I've cut the you know uh, hot steak with the knife, um, uh, uh, um, you know if I go then to cut um, a, a cold piece of cheese, uh, then. Um, uh, uh, it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily render the cheese unkosher, but it does render the part of the cheese that I've cut not kosher, and I, and I need to trim that off. Um, the, the, one of the major issues with knives um, is uh, when it comes in contact with what's known as a devar harif, which means a spicy thing. Um, so a spicy thing is a sharp thing, like a radish or an onion or something like that, um, is, uh, is, is understood to have the same um, uh, halachic capability of transferring flavor uh, or imparting flavor as, as a hot food item. So even if my onion is cold, right, it still can impart uh, flavor. Um, so, or it still can have flavor imparted to it. So if my, so if my knife is a meat knife, uh, even if it doesn't have meat residue on it, um, but especially if it, if it does, um, and, and especially if it's benyomo, uh, and I cut an onion with it, that onion that I've cut becomes meat, right? Um, so that, that's where knife issues become relevant. Um, but generally speaking, knife issues, I, I don't get really hung up on them um, because usually people cut cold things with knives, um, uh, 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 in terms of preparation stuff, you know, like 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 your your chef's knives, that sort of thing. Um, uh, so don't get so hung up on on most knife questions. Um, and certainly, if the knife ends up, you know, even if the knife had come into contact with something hot, but the next thing it cut was cold, presuming that the knife is clean, I don't think that it's an issue. Uh, and I would say, you know, most sensible people don't either. Um, so that's so I wanted to uh, make mention of knives. We didn't get to issues relating to cooking and heating food on Shabbat. That might be a whole other class um, because that's a really complex area. Yeah. Ah, microwave. Good question. So microwave, a microwave is similar in microwave is similar in halachic status to a regular oven, but different in a certain sense. So uh, um, so it's it's similar in the sense that. Um, uh, that 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 uh, uh, um, um, a, a microwave um, uh, doesn't uh, doesn't retain uh, the um, uh, the um, what's it called um, the 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 flavor of the thing that was in it before even even if it like still but smells like the pot. What? Yes. So where, where it gets tricky is when there is food residue in the microwave, right? I mean, the same thing as an oven, by the way. When there's splatter in an oven, um, it, it uh, and we didn't talk about that, but, I, you know, but when there's, when there's like meat splatter in an oven, um, until that splatter is cleaned up, um, that oven is still has meat in it, right? Um, so the same thing with a microwave, right? If the microwave has meat splatter in it, that microwave, when you cook your, your, your pizza in the microwave, it's getting mixed with the meat flavor uh, in, in the microwave. So you got to clean the microwave, but the microwave can be used interchangeably from uh, meat and dairy. Um, uh, there, there are some authorities who, who say that everything you cook in microwaves, in order for it to be transferred meat and dairy, needs to be covered. Um, I, I don't think that's necessary, and I've never seen anybody say that that's mandatory. I've only really ever seen the language should be covered, not must be covered. Um, uh, there is a way of koshering a microwave if, if somehow it became trafe, like if you cooked a cheese pizza in it and it had, you know, a splatter in it <coughs> or something like that. Um, 
uh, and, uh, and, and, and most people say that you can do that by um, uh, taking a cup of water and having it boil over uh, uh, in it. Um, so that, that way, um, the idea, the way it absorbed the, the, the flavor the, is the way it releases it, right? So it's, uh, it's that principle. That is correct. That is correct. Um, all right, I think we're out of time, um, but, you, but you're armed with the basic principles here, which means that a lot of questions that arise in kosher kitchens, um, you, you, you have the capacity to, uh, to reason out. I mean, you know, it's obviously always safer uh, to err on the side of separation, and when separation is violated to presume not kosher, but what I'm trying to um, em- empower you to do is to um, use a little bit more analytical uh, skill than that. Um, you may not always come up with the right answer, but again, there's a lot of leeway in, in the law for accidental violations, especially if your intention is always to do the right thing. Um, so, you know, you, uh, you make the wrong call with your, uh, with your ladle, you know, um, you didn't trafe up your kitchen. I'm, I'm 99.9% sure of that in most cases. Um, uh, uh, it's, uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, right. Um, and, and where you have, que- especially if we're talking about supervising the kitchen here, where there are questions um, you can always be in touch with me, but even in your kitchen at home, if you you know if you accidentally use the ladle, uh, give me a call and I'll help walk you through the the questions. But the but the uh, but the, the what I wanted to arm you with are the the basic principles, right, through which you can reason out um, the right answers. And my and and my guess is two things. The first is most of the time you'll actually reason your way to the right answer, and the second is. Um, that whatever you reason is actually the right answer, <laughs> um, in 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 a in a in a real sense. Um, you know, uh, I mean that may not always be true, uh, but there's also there also may not always be a capital R right answer. Um, and uh, a lot of um, halacha and a lot of kashrut halacha um, uh, is uh, is. Um, a, a matter of analysis and debate about the interplay of these principles and what they actually mean to take, um, which requires judgment and, and reason. Thank you.